Get out there and tell somebody about Jesus. How's everybody doing today? Come on, somebody. Nothing's sticking anymore. Well, can't work in my office today. It's flooded. Man, there is just a good vibe happening today. It's the big five. Oh. Are Boom. Ro- are we rolling? We're rolling. This is live? We're rolling. Wow, I, was, I was so close to the microphone. <laughs> You're right hot, baby. <laughs> oh, man. Welcome to podcast number 50. Podcast number 50. That's crazy, Pastor Luke. We've made it halfway to our goal. Halfway to our goal. This is, and Pastor Luke, I think 50 is, is a great number because it, it just seems better, so much better than 49. Oh. Yeah, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 49 felt like... It felt like um, tiresome. It felt almost like you're getting second place. Yeah, forty nine felt a little tiresome. Fifty feels like we've we've got some <clears throat> yeah things significant you, going. Now. Yeah, it's it's like you know what fifty is like. It's like you're watching a boxing match or a boxing movie, and and the hero of the story is 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 getting beat up, mm. and then all of a sudden he goes and he sits down in the corner. And, and he gets all the blood wiped off his face. I got to cut you. I got to cut you. <laughs> and then he's coming back in. He's coming back in hot with some energy. And he yeah. just starts. That's what 50 feels like. It doesn't feel like <laughs> It doesn't feel like we've done 50 of these either. But I'm – does it? Does it feel like No, it doesn't feel like we've done 50. This is awesome. I love it. Um, I'm coming in hot today, though. Yeah, you said right before I hit record today, you were like, hey, I'm coming in hot. I got angry yesterday. Okay, what do, you, what do we got? Let's, let's spill the tea. Why is it? I always lose the thing I cherish the most and then I'll have a random item I hate. I can't even get rid of. I can't get rid of it. I, I and I've got two things I've lost. Okay. Two. What do you got? First one, my mom bought my wife and I these really nice Yeti coffee cups. Ooh, yeah. They were not uh-huh. huge. Yep. They weren't small. They're right in the middle range. Yep. She bought my wife a yellow one. She bought me a black one. I used it one time, perfectly fit in my hand, and I could fill it up with coffee, and it was the perfect amount of coffee. Yeah. And then I had it, I could put it in my cup holder. And, it, my fit, car, and it, it fit in your cup holder. Yeah. Uh-huh. I can't find it. What's the, what in the world's going on? That is the saddest thing that I've heard all day. I don't understand how it, where it went. Is it in your truck? <laughs> it's not in my truck. <laughs> Although I recently did find something that you had lost for over a year. Over a year, I lost a pair of sunglasses, and a, I just a really nice pair of Under Armour sunglasses. I they are actually really nice pair of sunglasses. They're they're the more expensive pair of sunglasses I've ever bought in my life, and I lost them some point. I I honestly have no idea when you were in my truck and lost them, uh-uh. but I was. On a little road trip, I came back. I was cleaning out my truck, and I found them underneath a seat. I was like, whose sunglasses are these? And why would you think to ask me if they were mine? <clears throat> well, I just started asking everybody who rode in my, has ever rode in my truck. <laughs> I said, are these yours? Are these yours? Are these yours? And you were, like, a little bit lower. And you don't ride in my truck that often. Uh-uh. Maybe a few times to go to lunch yeah. on a Monday. Yeah. But I, I was like, I'll, I'll ask Pastor Luke. And then I actually I was thinking about it. Was thinking, and I think Pastor Luke did lose a pair of Under Armour sunglasses like a year ago. 
I forgot. I had lost them, and I just decided they were gone. They were gone. Yeah. They're gone. And I had said, I came to grips with the fact that they were gone. So emotionally speaking, I was over (laughs) it. It took me like two weeks to remember that you had lost a pair of Under Armour sunglasses. I just had them sitting in my car trying to figure out whose they were. So I, I lose this Yeti, <laughs> this my my like favorite coffee cup. Why yeah. is it my? It's my favorite coffee cup. I used it twice and it's gone. Right. I, it's not any. I don't understand. It's literally bio. It can't even dis. It can't disappear. Yeah. I could bury it in my backyard. Come back fifty years later and it would still be there. Yeah. Exactly. But why? I've, why is it gone? I've, anyway, fresh. Ticks, yeah. Ticks me off. Uh huh. You know, and I lost something else. This is so random and this is so so weird that it means something to me. But now that it's summer, I go to the gym and I wanted to take a very small bag. Okay. Because I just I, I wear shorts now to the gym because yeah. it's summer. Yeah. You don't so even wear pants. I don't really have pockets. Yeah. In my gym shorts. And so I was like, what do I do with my wallet, my keys, and my cell phone? Right. And I was like, I want a small draw bag. Yep. You know what a string draw bag is? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. And I end up finding two in my house. Okay. One, they were both kids. <laughs> kids drawbacks. They're like literally had church, church kids, uh, camp logos on them. Right. That's awesome. And, and they're like bright orange and bright red. And I found one too. Yeah. And I was using it, but I, I started having conversation with my wife. I said, I really want a nice, like drawstring bag for myself. Right. And maybe a Nike or Adidas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was talking to her about this and I was like, it's no, it, I shouldn't just spend money on it. It's, Dumb. Right. I could just use this little kid's I can camp. use the kid's camp bag. Yeah, I can use it. And then this is so random. I was digging through my garage trying to find something. Yeah. And I then found a drawstring bag that I bought when I was in high school. Whoa. I mean, and that seems like the best feeling ever. Inside the bag were an old pair of basketball shoes <laughs> that I haven't worn in eight years. Wow. And I was like, oh, this is a drawstring bag. And it's really cool. And it's got like a sports design on it. And I'm like, this is exactly what I want. Yeah. I'm like, and I found it. And I don't have to pay any money. And I was like, oh, excited. I used it one time. No. I can't find it. No. Oh, no. Bastard Luke. I can't find my favorite Yeti. I can't <laughs> find this drawstring bag that I was like. I bet you I bet you, you can find that kid's camp bag, though. <laughs> it's <laughs> on the hook. The kid's camp bag is on the coat hook. It's so frustrating. I cannot <laughs> lose this bag I don't want, and I can't find the bag I want. Why is all this stuff disappearing? I have no idea. I can't I can't help you out with that one. I, I know that frustration, though, when you're like, I have – like it has happened to me with sunglasses before. Well, I have like a, a nice pair of sunglasses, kind of like the ones you left in my truck. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I'll lose them. And I'm like, well, I have these free ones and that I got so from, you know, somebody gave them to me. Like they were like giving thousands away. Yep. And they cost fifty cents a piece. Yep. I I got I know where those ones are. They're always in that spot. Every every they're exactly where I put them. They're in the same spot in my car every single day. They're always there. But then my nice ones that I try, I keep in a case. I keep in a little little like sunglasses you, bag. You try as hard as you can not to lose them, and they're gone. They're gone. What? And you emotionally attach to these things, which is the stupid part. <laughs> <laughs> it's just an item. It. The, the Yeti costs twelve dollars, twenty five dollars. I don't know. Yeah, probably like twenty five. Yeah. The the drawstring bag costs. 14 bucks from Dunham <laughs> Sports. Right. 
but I'm emotionally attached to this for some weird reason, and I can't find it. Help me, Lord. <laughs> you guys, you guys listening can't see Pastor Luke's face, but I'm just gonna describe his face for a second. He's he has this this dead look in his eyes, like like almost like he wants to hurt something. Yeah. Not me, but just something. He just wants to hit something. Yep. It's one of those emotions where like. If I hit something really hard, it I hope it'll appear. <laughs> yes. It's it's a it's a hit of hope. <laughs> it's just so weird. I got a hundred coffee cups in my cupboard. I could care less about. Right. They're always just there. But the Yeti, where to go? Where to go? Used it once. Oh, that's rough. Is um is there a new cult out there? Is there what? What is this? What is this new cult that we're going to talk about? What is this new cult? Is it out there? Which I, is, th- I think it's out there. Which is uh, what we're talking about today in the podcast. That's that's exactly what we're going to talk about. What is this new cult? There is, mm. and it's funny that we say new. This actually isn't very new. <laughs> yeah, I was I was going to bring that up. This this isn't actually new, but it seems it's new to us that it's really becoming popular. Yeah. Pride and, month. and being pushed. Pride Month. Yeah. LGBTQ, the homosexual movement. What is this new cult? This I this truly this whole movement makes more sense when you call it really what it is, which a sex cult. Yeah. That's what it truthfully comes down to. Yep. It's a religion. You better bow your knee to it. You better worship it. You better celebrate it. You better protect it. Because if you don't, because if you don't, you're getting canceled. You're getting, we're going to hurt you even. Yeah. We'll hurt you. Yeah. Um, And how did we go from being really quiet about homosexuality to really loud and in your face? It just felt like it was something when I was growing up, people were just quiet about it. Right. Um, and now it's so loud. It's really in your face. Um, and how did we like, we don't have to answer this question because I don't think we, any, I don't think me or you know the answer to this. Right. But how did we get here? How, how did we get here? It's really strange to me. Um, here's something else that I've noticed about this whole thing is every, bit of advertising that you see for this. Yep. And and mm. <clears throat> it, it, every movie, every advertising, every commercial, it is all of it wants to hit your feelings and avoid facts. Yep. It's all feelings based. Yeah, it's ex- it's all plays on people emotions and actually Pastor Luke, you said this and immediately I was thinking about a movie that me and, and my wife recently watched. Um, it was just, a, uh, we were having a date. We went, Hey, let's, let's watch a movie. We sat down, picked a movie on Netflix. We're watching this movie. Um, and all of a sudden it wasn't the, the main plot of this movie, but all of a sudden there's like this random side thread that, oh, yeah, get, yeah, yeah, that yeah. gets thrown. It doesn't help the plot at all. Like one of the superheroes is gay. And <laughs> you're like, what? It, it, it didn't advance the plot. What? Not, what? It didn't even fit into the normal conversation. <laughs> right. So there's, all of a sudden there's this person and it's, a, and it's a transgender person. Like, yeah. And it's like a high schooler. And, and then they come to this guy and they come to this 
this guy and the main character in the movie because uh, their their dad kicked him out of the house um, and and that's kind of like it that's all it added to the movie it was really me and Dana looked at it like that was stupid yeah um, but what it did was it really it was exactly what you talked about it was a, just a little tiny subplot of the movie but they were trying so hard to play on your emotions, mm. to get you so emotionally invested into this character and into this idea that they're the victim, that <clears throat> that the world is against them, that they are the victim, that they need to be protected and cherished and loved on and told that everything is going to be okay. So there was a book written in the early 90s by a, a couple gay guys it's actually a really large book. I forget the name of it. I wish I could remember the name of it. It And it wrote out what needs to happen in America for the gay agenda to progress. Hmm. And it, none of this stuff was happening at that point. But one of the points they made in there was that the gays must be a victim and the heterosexuals must be an ally. Yeah. This is in the early 90s. Wow. And now, that's a big word amongst the community. Yep. An ally. And I'm going to reject it. And I think we'll talk, we'll hit on this a little bit later in the podcast. Yeah. The important reasons why Christians should not be an ally. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But the homosexuals, they want to play... They're playing a victim. And it, and when it first started, I watched this interview with a um, a guy who's a strong Christian now who used to be homosexual. Yep. When he and, and he was he's been home he was a homosexual starting in like the like late eighties, early nineties, all the way through the nineties into the early two thousands. Okay. He got saved in two thousand twelve. Okay. So he was a homosexual for like twenty years. Yeah. And he thought it was odd. Like what? It's just starting like into two thousands. I thought it was really odd when when like the gay community would play play the victim, and he just thought I've never like, how can you be a victim? Nobody nobody put your arm behind your back, twisted it really hard, and said go inside the gay bar. <laughs> right. I don't understand. He, he's to him it didn't even make sense. But now that he realizes there's an agenda, yeah, there's like a a. a purposeful reasoning why they're trying to paint homosexuals as a victim. It's so that the heterosexuals will come to their aid and help them and be an ally to them. So that's part of a plot or a, or an agenda pushed push. It's an agenda push. Yeah. It's, it's an agenda push by, by this new, this new cult and what, what we're calling, you know, what is Uh, this new cult? It is a cult. And, and maybe, maybe you're listening and thinking, man, I don't know. Is this really a cult? Is like what? This doesn't seem like very cultish. Like, wouldn't it be easier, like, just to almost just ignore it and and just go about your life? Pastor Luke, we've been talking recently um, about how this has been. This isn't a new issue in our world. It's an. It's really pushed heavily right now, but it's not a new issue. 
that it was something that existed way back, even in the Bible times. We, we've been talking about Corinth yeah. and how, how this was, was rampant in the city of Corinth. You can read all about it in Paul's letters that he wrote to the Corinthian church. Sodom and Gomorrah. And, yeah, about- so you can go way back to Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. Uh, you can read, Paul wrote a lot about it in the book of Romans. Uh, you can read Romans 1. He talks all about it in Romans 1. But <clears throat> you, you told me something really interesting recently. Um, maybe it was a few months ago that you had been doing some study on Timothy, mm-hmm. on the man Timothy in the Bible. Yes, the the man Timothy. Yeah, and the, uh, the guy that Paul's right. Yeah, to, the guy that Paul writes Timothy. to first and second Timothy. Um, m- most people believe he was the, the lead pastor at Ephesus. Mm-hmm. Um, probably a church of about a hundred thousand people when he was the pastor, which is insane. Yeah, and I did some research on him. I wanted to know how Timothy, if Timothy died a martyr, because all the apostles did. Right, twelve. Yeah, I wanted to know how he ended up dying. So I did a little research on him. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, you, you can share. You're the one who did And the I was research. surprised to see. Like, I did this a couple months ago, and I was like, it's shook by it. But the uh, church history says that Timothy was facing a sexual revolution in his city that he was pastoring in. There was a gay pride parade through the town. Yeah. He stood in the streets while it was going on, protesting the Bible or the way of Jesus instead yeah. and speaking against this sexual revolution and they killed him right there in the streets. <laughs> That's crazy. And, and I was and, like, what? That? And it says, it just feels like I, it feels like that could happen tomorrow. Yeah. And that, and I wanted, I wanted you to share that because I think that really speaks to the nature and the heart of this cult that we are facing. That if you are not with us, we are going to do everything we can do to tear you down. When I was in school, I went to public schools almost my whole life, and I probably there, there was probably one or two gay students at the school yeah. that were too afraid to say they were gay, but everybody knew they were. Yeah, that like one or two. Yeah, right. I was just watching this uh, like social media interview where they like, they had like a microphone on the street. Yeah, and they like asked this like teenage guy. He looked yeah. like he was probably like a senior in high school, and they're like, "How many gay, how many gay LGBTQ kids are in your school?" And he said, "Oh, probably half." And they were like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah, I think half my school is probably LGBT." They're like, "That they were they didn't even know." They're like, "That's that's crazy." Yeah, that that's cra- that's insane. That, that is that's absolutely <laughs> insane. Um, you know what I hate most about this whole thing? What is politics are now involved? <laughs> Yeah, because you know when politics get involved, it's so obnoxious. It, it's incredibly obnoxious. It when politics get involved, media gets more involved. At products, uh, products, products get more involved. So obnoxious. It it get, it just gets elevated and heightened to a point that you're like, what what the heck is going on? It is so annoying and obnoxious to watch a politician pl- beg for votes, <laughs> to watch a company beg for. Uh, somebody to buy their product. Yeah. It's, it's just get down on your hands and knees and grovel. It's, it's the lowest of lows. This is why the whole thing has become so obnoxious is because politics are involved. Products are involved. Mm-hmm. And now it's gone from obnoxious. Now it's getting evil. You know why? Because churches are involved. Yeah. No, it's turned a corner to evil. Abs- when, when churches are saying, let's be, let's, let's have a place <clears throat> on the stage. <laughs> Our pastors are now, gay and worship leaders and choir directors and staff members on churches are now homosexuals. Yeah. And now it's turned evil. What about that, that pastor 
from Seattle. Remember that video you watched? Yeah, yeah, we watched a video a few just a few weeks ago. It was a really, really great video of a pastor in Seattle. It was about ten minutes, and he just shared the story of his church and his church experience in Seattle. Um, and he was in um, a section of Seattle that was basically known as like the gay capital of the world. Yeah. Um, he said there was tons of churches that pa- of where at churches where pastors were gay, mm-hmm. staff members were gay, um, very much welcomed uh, the homosexual community. Most into- restaurants and businesses are all <laughs> extremely open and welcoming to this to that uh, lifestyle. Yeah, and and so he said he said he wanted to go and plant a church in that area. And he said that the, the main two types of churches in the area were either very against it or very for it. And he's like, I'm going to go and I'm going to be in the middle. He thought it would be a great idea. And he's like, it's going to be a great, I'm going to be welcoming to everybody. Loving. I'm going to be loving to everybody. Be friends. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not really going to preach about it, but I, I don't think it's okay. But I'm not only if somebody like comes to me in a private conversation, in a private conversation, I'll talk about it um, with them, but I'm never really going to address it and take a hard stand on it. And then a few years went by. The church is growing and doing well. There's tons of gay people in his church. Yeah. And a two guys come up to him and say, will you marry us? Yeah. And he realized, uh-oh, I don't think I've been clear enough on how I stand on this issue. And then all of a sudden he tells them, says, no, I'm not going to. I, I don't believe that's okay. I think it's a sin. Like the Bible clearly says it does. And, and this I'll, couple was shook. They were so shocked and so offended. They left the church and he said they had such an offense in their heart. He's like, I don't think I would ever see them back because I wasn't clear. I was almost pretending to them. It appeared that I was for homosexuality and then they came to me and I was against it. And he said this, this phrase pastor, and I loved this phrase. He said, in that moment, I learned that clarity is kindness. And if I want to be kind to this community, I need to speak the truth. Mm -hmm. I need to speak very clearly about what the Bible says and that the Bible says that homosexuality is a sin Mm -hmm. and that the Bible says that marriage is between one man and one woman in a covenant relationship before God. And that's it. Mm -hmm. And he said, as I begin to speak clearly and define this and take a, take a stand on it for what the Bible says is truth. He said, I was actually seeing more converts Mm -hmm. and his church started to grow more in a season of him being clear rather than him putting up this front, loving everybody, welcoming everybody, never taking a stand on it. And then all of a sudden they would come to him and realize that he was against homosexuality again, because it's what the Bible says. Yeah. He says he made a mistake as a pastor starting this church by never making it crystal clear from his stage what he believes the truth to be. Yes. And he was purposely avoiding it so that he could, his attendance would go up because there were so many homosexuals in the community. Yeah. He wanted them in the church. And some churches struggle with this right now is we must keep the doors are open to everybody. Yeah, it's true. But let me warn you out there that if they're not repenting, yeah. Like everybody else is supposed to repent yeah. and churning from their sin and changing their lifestyle. Then what you have, my friends, is a wolf in sheep's clothing, yep. a snake in the hen house. Yeah. No. And because they're going to eat your people from the inside. Yeah. 100% agree with you, Pastor Luke. And here's the thing. For some reason right now, people want to um, 
be so open and loving I, because I think of the, the push of this, this new cult to people who are in that community. But if somebody came into our church who was uh, um, <clears throat> addicted to pornography, an alcoholic, an, an alcoholic, a wife beater, uh, a drug addict, and they, and they would they be welcome to the church? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, they would be, and we would preach the gospel to them. Yeah, and tell them the truth, and tell them they they need to repent, turn to the Lord, be baptized, like be discipled, everything that the Bible teaches. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, for some reason, when somebody from the homosexuality or homosexual community walks in, we have to treat them differently. Yeah, it's, it, that, uh, that doesn't make any sense. But uh, I think it goes back to Pastor Aaron. This one of our original thoughts was that we're we're set we've been taught that they're the victims mm, wow and so when they walk through the church we're so excited to be their savior yeah the problem is then we're not their savior no uh-uh we're not the only person who can be their savior is jesus christ i agree with that um there's this thing called pronoun hospitality yep and essentially it's very important that you use the right pronouns so as not to offend. Mm-hmm. But I really want to say right now that if you're a Christian and you are currently using the pronoun hospitality of their preferred pronoun to them, you're going to create confusion in them. Yeah. You're creating more confusion. Absolutely. You should be a pillar of truth amidst a bunch of soiled waters Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) because um eventually when they get saved they're going to look for the one person who has the truth yes and if you were always constantly using their preferred pronoun and and adding to their confusion yep they're not going to be able to trust you when they finally return and repent and come back come to jesus yep they're not going to trust. They're going to say, whoa, they played. With, they pretended. Yeah, they, they played they, with. They, they, they pretended went, with me. Yeah, they went along with my make-believe story. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, they did. They went along with my pretend lifestyle. Yeah. Are they really? Can I really trust them? C- yes, exactly. That's exactly what's going to happen. And the reason I say that is because this is the these are the testimonies now coming out from people who are repenting and turning out of this lifestyle. Yeah is they are hunting down the Christians mm-hmm. that refused to acknowledge their lifestyle. Yeah. And uh, Pastor, you're gonna, you had a great story that you wanted to share, kind of a testimony of somebody. Before yeah. you do that, though, if I could just for a second, uh-huh. um, maybe you feel like you're in a, maybe you feel like you're, maybe you're a high schooler or something. You feel like, man, I don't know if I can do this in a public school. I just feel like I'm going to get, get persecuted. You feel like you're in a position in a job. You're a young adult. You have a job. I don't know if I... In my professional life, is this okay? Is this something that I can do? Mm-hmm. Um, I want to give you guys some encouragement. Last year, um, my wife was in a public school setting. Um, it was a middle school setting. There was a student who um, had some crazy uh, behavior issues, really dealt with depression and anxiety, came into school partway through the season and had decided that they had they'd transitioned. They were now a girl. Mm. Um and all of this stuff, and all of it was insane, Pastor Luke. That all of the teachers, the school faculty, just just went along with it. Mm. And my wife is in that setting, and she said, "I'm not gonna call him a girl because he's not; he's a guy." And and I'm gonna call him his his real name. 
and I, and I'm because because that's his name, mm-hmm. and, and and she began and she kind of took a stand on it. It's like I'm not gonna back down on what I believe on this, mm-hmm. and you know what's crazy is nobody like she didn't get fired for doing that. I mean, even if she did, she'd be like, okay, I'm not gonna compromise my faith for that. Mm-hmm. But it it is 100% possible, mm. and, and to to take that stand and to to be that person who is going to be the pillar of truth so that when that person does hear the truth and does come to repent, they're not going to wait. But you, you said you were a Christian, but you went along with my sin. Yeah. But you never told me what I was doing was wrong. Yeah. And that we need to be people. I mean, like that pastor from Seattle said, clarity is kindness. And I, I truly believe that it really is. There's a lot of pressure, Pastor Aaron, in the corporate world. Lots of pressure in the corporate world to put your preferred pronouns on your social media or your yeah. email header. Yeah. Even even working like for the on church. Your LinkedIn. I get so many emails from not from church staff, but from corporations reaching out to the church about stuff. And every one of them, like on their little like signature thing on yeah. the bottom, it's like so and so from somewhere, she heard, they them, he him, like it's that's corporate pressure. Yeah. There's lots of pressure. I, I'm not in the corporate world. I don't know exactly what the pressure is like. I don't know if you're if you're going to get fired if you don't do something like that, or if you're going to get like outcast if you don't do something like that. But let me really encourage you to not do it. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you got to provide for your family, and I know you got to you know all this stuff. Try not to do it. Yeah. Let's end with this story. This yeah. is a powerful story this, that I that I heard, and this is a great story. And um. There was a, a Christian family, and their neighbor was a lesbian. Yeah. And the Christian family decided to obey what the Bible says, which was love your neighbor yeah. and love your enemies. Yep. Okay. And so that's what this Christian family did, is they always loved on this woman, and that was it. Um, and this Christian family had an interesting daily routine. <laughs> yeah, you were telling me yeah. this is really interesting. It, it almost caught me funny. Yeah. Apparently, after dinner, they, and this is they're in California, and apparently they would open up like their windows of their house would be open, you know. Yeah. But after dinner, the family would sing worship songs, a cappella. Yeah, it's so interesting. And the windows would be open, or the door would be open, and all this stuff. And they would just sing lots of random songs, but there would be a few songs that were kind of on repeat. And one of them would be they would sing Psalm twenty-three. Yeah. One of the lines in the that verse is you've put it set a table. We set a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Yeah. And the story goes is that the next door neighbor would listen to the family sing these worship songs. Yeah. Thought it was beautiful. But then they would constantly sing this one in Psalm 23. And when they would sing the line, you have set a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You know, she thought she put herself in the song. Yeah. And she actually thought she had a right standing with the Lord with her lifestyle. Yeah. She was deceived, but that's what she thought. And so when they would sing that line, she would say, oh, God, you have placed me at a table in the presence of my enemies because her neighbors were the Christians. Yeah. And that's just kind of how she put it in her mind, created this in her mind. Yeah, it's so crazy. Then she gets she gets saved. Amazing. Completely repents of her lifestyle, turns away from the whole entire thing, becomes a strong Christian. And I don't know how much time goes by, but like weeks or something like that. And she remembers the song they would sing. Yeah. And then she realized, wait a second. I was the enemy. I was the enemy. <laughs> they were singing 
that they were at a table in the presence of their enemy. I was the enemy. Yeah. yeah, that makes more sense. Right. Then she realized that that Christian family, this was really important to her and really important to everybody out there listening. They never pretended to be her friend, but they always loved her. Mm-hmm. Come on. She said that was so important because when I became a Christian, she said, I clung to that family. Right. Because they held to the truth, never compromised, but loved me and, but never compromised, never pretended to be anything other than what they truly were in their heart. She says that was so important. So powerful. And they, they are now such, they're that, those neighbors, you know what I'm saying? Such strong relationship. Yeah. You cannot imagine how the light bulb has turned on for, for this woman and how this family is now such strong discipleship in her life. Mm, come on. That's so good. That's the testimonies we need, <laughs> we need more of. Yes, absolutely. And there is a, what is this new cult? It's out there. It's out there. Don't join it. Don't ally with it. Don't pretend. Yeah. Don't use a preferred whatever they want. Stand strong. Be a truthful person in the end. They, you will be better for it. They will be thankful for it. Mm-hmm. They really will. That. Let me. Let's end with this. Pride. It'll take everything personally. <laughs> Pride always believes their feelings first. Yeah. Pride always puts their desires first. Pride always demands others change. Pride is very negative. But Psalm 139 says, "Search my heart, O God." Point out everything in me that offends you and lead me in your way everlasting. That's some serious humility. That's humility, which is what we need. Yeah, that's good. Podcast number 50. Excited to bring you 51 next week. See you guys on the flippity flip. Bye. Get out there and tell somebody about Jesus. How's everybody doing today? Come on, somebody. Nothing's sticking anymore. Well, can't work them off today. It's flooded. Man, there is just a good vibe happening today.